If you have your Bible today, if you'll take it with me, please. And we'll hold it high as we say our Bible decree this morning. Children, you are dismissed to head back to Children's Chapel. Love seeing kids in the sanctuary and throughout the church. Nothing greater, I'll tell you. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen and amen. I always feel like that's a prayer to me because it's just, it's powerful. Uh, Growing up, one of my favorite TV shows was The Incredible Hulk. Okay, so that didn't go over as well, right? Do I do it again? Just kidding. Okay, I won't. All right, I'll try not to be off the cuff like I was last week, all right? Uh, I, I love that, that you guys know uh, the main character was Dr. David Banner. And uh, most of the time he was a nice guy. But when he became angry, he would repeat those famous words, Don't make me angry. You know why? You won't like me when I get angry. You don't want to see me get angry. Well, what he was doing is he was telling himself not to get angry. And if the person ignored his warning right before your eye, he would transfer into or transform into who? Lou Ferrigno. He became the Hulk, the big green monster, right? It was really cool because I thought just a couple years back when... um, the costume came out with the Hulk. I, I thought to myself, how are these little people going to know really who the Hulk is? But then he ended up coming out on one of the comic uh, movies and so on and so forth. But I thought it was really cool. But um, the whole series was actually built around Dr. Banner's search for a cure. Dr. Banner didn't like what anger did to him, and he did all that he could to prevent it from happening. And today I'm going to be talking about be angry and do not sin. And if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, as you turn there, the message many got from the series is that anger is always bad. Anger can turn a normal person into a big, angry monster. And anger can turn you into someone you don't want to be. As a result, the best way of dealing with anger is to never express it because anger can be so volatile or volatile. The best way to manage anger is to what? To repress it. And that is how many deal with anger today. However, in Ephesians 4, God gives us different ways of looking at anger. Instead of dismissing anger as evil, Paul tells us that anger can be a good and yet a healthy emotion. Anger itself is not wrong. It is the reasons and motivations for our anger that can cause us to lose control. Last week, as I spoke about um, our image and having the image of Christ and talking about Galatians chapter 5, I was thinking about some of the characteristics and attributes of many of us. Many of us can say in the room that we deal with anger. Anger is something that every one of us can encompass. We know what it's like when you're driving down the street and somebody cuts you off. You're not giving them signs of hello and I love you. You're giving them other sign language that's demonstrating your anger. For example, 
you know, people don't realize that, you know, uh, if you're driving the speed limit and Mr. Fast Pass behind you wants to come past you and then cut you off, throw you into a ditch all because he or she was angry. We have to be very, very careful of what anger does to each and every one of us. Let's go ahead and read together in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 32. And in verse 26 of Ephesians 4, it says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Verse 28, If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. In verse 30, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Let us pray. Father, thank you for today. Lord, we just thank you that we can talk about a topic that is so important in every one of our lives, for every one of us demonstrates on a different level anger and what it does and how it, it uh either manifest itself or how we demonstrate it. But today, Lord, through this message, help us to learn and to uh, practice these principles so that we can become better for you and not to allow rage and anger and all those things to take place. But God, we understand that even in your word, you became angry. But you said, as Jesus was teaching, we can be angry, but not to sin. And so, Lord, help us to understand your word. Help me today to, to express the principles from your word so that we can all understand. Thank you, Lord, for what Paul had to say to the church here at Ephesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Let me share with you six ways to look at anger. The first three are positive descriptions of anger. And the last three describe what happens when anger takes control. You could say, but, you know, come on, I am the kindest, most loving, man, I, there's sugar all over me. I'm coated in sugar. People never see anger in me. Well, you might be one of those that actually suppress it, and yet you might be lying to me right now, because I think each and every one of us have had a time in our life where we've been angry. I've gotten angry. If people disappoint me, I've expressed it to my wife in an angry tone. Are you the only ones that haven't done it, and I'm the only one who has? Or have you expressed your emotions in an anger? How many of you have ever dealt with anger? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Then we're all in it together. And first of all, it says anger is a normal emotion. Number one, anger is a normal. And I'm going to have to go through these quickly just so that I can, we can stay on point and we can keep moving. In verse 26, it says, be angry and sin not. The point is, it's possible to be angry and not sin. Anger in and of itself is not bad because God created anger for a good purpose with good intentions. 
You're like, really, Pastor? Okay, that's interesting. You might remember the story of Jesus entering the temple, right? And I'm going to be bringing that out today. When Jesus saw what the religious leaders had done to corrupt the temple, Jesus became very, very angry. His anger was not directed at hurting people, but at the wrong things they had done in God's name. Jesus was angry because the people had violated God, and his anger was an expression of God's anger. Jesus demonstrates that it is possible to be angry and yet not sin. There is such a good thing as good anger and yet godly anger. So now I don't want you to misconstrue what I'm saying and all of a sudden you get mad at home and you look at your wife's husband, children and say, I'm just demonstrating godly anger. Be very careful and I'm going to go through that today. The question we need to ask is, what did Jesus do that allowed him to express his anger in healthy ways? Well, yet I think, you know, as I, as I was looking at the text, and we'll, we will be getting there, I thought of it as God was and is his focus. And when we make God our focus, then we want to live a life that's probably more transferable, where we want to walk in holiness, live our life with the same type of characteristics that Jesus lived in. The answer was definitely found in his focus. Jesus never allowed his emotions or pain to take his focus off of God and onto himself. Jesus was able, now watch this, Jesus was able to keep God as his first priority even when he was angry. Isn't that difficult? Isn't that difficult? Yeah, thank you. I just want to make sure we're all in this together. Our problem is seldom be, that we become angry for the right reasons or motives. Human anger tends to be self-motivated rather than God-motivated. Isn't that true? And many times you have to go back and apologize because we let our anger get out of control. We become angry when someone does something that hurts us or hurts someone that we love. Human anger is generally an offensive weapon we use to defend our pride. Man, Pastor, i got to write that down. So, uh, could you repeat that one more time? I will, just for you. Thank you. Human anger is generally an offensive weapon we use to defend our pride. Isn't that an amazing thought? Because it's true. I believe that, uh, as a result, anger is like a fire. If the fire is controlled, it can be helpful and productive. But if the fire gets out of control, it can be very harmful and even deadly. Anger is the same way. Though anger is a natural emotion, we must be careful how we use it because it can have devastating effects on you and the other individual. In other words, anger is a normal emotion, but we must be very, very careful how we express it. Number two, anger is a warning light built in by God. In verse 26, it says, be angry and sin not. Now watch, the second part says, in your anger, do not sin. So, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but we're, we're driving down the road, you know, and it was amazing because back in the olden days, and when I say the olden days, we're going to go back just a few years, back in the 80s even. And I don't know when they started this, but a thought came to my mind that many of our vehicles started letting us know you were running out of gas, right? So this warning light would come up. 
that you were running out of gas. And now, you know, the light comes on, it blinks. Sometimes you have a little digital window in your car that says you only have X, Y miles to go, right? There's all these warning lights that take place. And yet, what do we do? We ignore it. Now, in the olden days, we would say, well, we th- I thought I could go another five miles. I didn't realize I was going to run out of gas. Now, uh, Cass and Steve are in Cleveland, and we've got to drive all the way from Talmadge to help them put gas in their car. You can, I mean, it happens for all of us. But, you know, I used to think back when I was a kid, and I did run out of gas, but when you have a 1967 Dodge Polaro that was as big as the, the world, and, uh, you know, an engine that was a 383, you didn't go very far in those motors back in the day. So you better make sure that you could put gas in there. I mean, think about it. Gas was expensive back then. I remember when I was in high school, 1988, 97 cents. I mean, I was going broke. But, and, and you know what's so funny? I would go to the gas station, put, my, put my, the gas in there. Oh, great, we made it five bucks. That'll get me somewhere. And I never realized it would only get me five miles up, five miles back. But, but watch this. But when it comes to responding to warning lights, it's the same as when God starts to show us that we have it in our own life. How many of us realize that we know we're starting to get angry? The warning lights go off. Things start to happen. That feeling starts to swell up within you, and you ignore those warning lights. The question is, how well do you respond to anger? How well do you anticipate the things that cause anger? How well do you keep your anger from getting out of control? And that's where I believe that we miss it. God designed anger to be a flashing yellow light, much like our cars that I know now come on and they really let us know, or they stay on. It's telling us to do what? To proceed with caution. Be aware, know that trouble is near. So when it comes on, don't ignore it. Don't think it will just go away because it won't. Because Paul tells us to deal with our anger immediately in a way that builds relationships rather than destroys them. If we nurse our anger, we'll give Satan an opportunity to divide us. Think that. Isn't that amazing? And and truly, if we nurse our anger, we'll give Satan an opportunity to divide us. I, I used to say it's very divisive. But it divides. It allows division. And then when you get out of control, sometimes you just can't go back and regain that relationship you once had because you allowed anger to come in. And then what did we do? We allowed Satan to have ground in our life. The question I'm going to ask you right now, are you angry with someone in your life right now? And what can you do to resolve those differences? And that brings me to my third point. Number three, God, I'm sorry, anger must be resolved. Anger must be resolved. The second part there in verse 26, and we hear in this funny, Travis and Megan, I don't know if you got in any any of your cars when they're back there with the kids. I looked over here thinking they were sitting there. Sorry. AJ over there. And, uh, Verse 26 is, let not the sun go down upon your anger. Don't let the sun go down. Don't stay angry. Because one, if you don't make it right, guess what will happen? Now you've lost sleep, right? Now you're tossing and turning and you're not dealing with a good night's rest. So what does Satan do? 
Satan comes in and then he he gets that stronghold and it says right here, he gets that foothold in your life. Now you're tired. Now you're you can't think straight. You're emotionally, uh, mentally, physically just exhausted. You have to be very careful. Anger can be a healthy emotion, but it is not designed to be a permanent emotion. When Jesus became angry in the temple and turned over the tables of the money changers, he did not remain angry after the event. He didn't dwell on what happened. He didn't allow his anger with the people to impact his love for people. Watch this. In Matthew, the re- Here, let's just turn there. Let's go ahead and read this. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 16. Matthew 21, verses 12 through 16. Jesus entered the temple, verse 12, and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into what? A den of thieves. The blind came and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonders, wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. I thought that was just the lineage of Jesus. I thought that was kind of cool how they they said that, identifying who he was. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Have you ever read the scriptures where they say, You have taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany where he stayed overnight. Circle the words at the temple. I don't know about you, but when I get angry, I have a hard time letting go. When I get angry, my anger generally gets the best of me. And it can truly ruin my entire day. It can ruin everything that's going on. Anger can cause me to become a person I don't even want to be. It can cause me to say say things I don't want to say. We're driving down the road, and I just made a comment to my wife this morning because I thought of an individual, family, friend, foe. Let me just put that out there. We were reflecting, and right when I did, I'm like, I looked at her, and I'm like, what just happened to me? No, you know what just happened to me? I was angry. And I never, I allowed that anger to, it wasn't towards her. We both kind of laughed. She's like, whoa, Todd, that was crazy. I'm like, how did that just swell up in me like that? Because that's what happens when, when anger starts to, to creep back up. There's triggers in our life. And it was just, I didn't even realize it, but just that name triggered something in me. And, you know, I was like, and then that just came out. And I'm like, how did that just happen? And I don't need an interpreter. That was not tongues in this room right now. Okay, I'm just making it very clear for all of you. But we get, we get it, don't we? And you're like, where did that come from? You're like, you have another person in there? Was that an out-of-body experience? Because we've allowed that anger to get the best of us. We've allowed an individual to get the best of us. Listen, I read the results of a study that demonstrates the effects of anger. The researchers found that anger causes the average female's blood pressure to rise six points. <laughs> and the, listen, man, you're not off the hook, even though my wife's like, mm-hmm. But listen, and the average male's blood pressure to rise 14 points. <laughs> if 
Oh, no way. It also indicated that unresolved anger is the number one cause for what? For psychological depression. Now, I know this is a little bit of counseling 101 here, but the point is when we get angry, anger takes control of our life. But when Jesus became angry, he remained the same person. He might have flipped over the tables, but he didn't lose control. His anger did not have a negative impact on his character or cause him to say the wrong things. He went from anger to mercy in the same day. His anger was motivated by what? By love for people and never became a vehicle for harboring resentment. Anger must be resolved, church. I love that it says there that they saw him. Healings took place afterwards. He said, wait a minute, this is about my father. This is what's supposed to be happening. You know, let's just stop, reflect, and let's honor God Almighty. Let's honor the Lord of glory. In John chapter 2, verses 13 through 25, John also recalls this. We don't have to turn there this morning. But John also recalls from his perspective what took place. And he called it the cleansing of the temple. In verses 13 through 25, worship was the main purpose for the temple, God's house of worship. So number four, unresolved anger is an open invitation for evil. Wow. Unresolved anger is an open invitation for evil. Verse 27 here in Ephesians, it says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. In the King James Version, it says, neither give place to the devil. Watch this. Neither give opportunity to the devil. I repeat. So this morning, we were driving down the road to church, and all of a sudden, something happened, and my wife and I were just talking about this family, friend, foe, and all of a sudden, I said, I, what just happened to me? Okay, did I already share that story? Yeah, but I didn't give you a point here. Unresolved anger is an open invitation for evil. So I gave opportunity for the devil to get a stronghold in my life because I didn't realize what issue I had. Isn't that amazing? Now, I'm standing up here and I'm transparent. Don't look at me like, oh, oh poor pastor, he's lost it. <laughs> he needs some rest. No, what I'm trying to say is that we must resolve some of those issues. In verse 20, it says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. When anger gets a foothold in your life, you are more susceptible to doing things you would not normally do, even stealing. Paul is addressing a real problem that was happening in his church. Because the people were angry at each other, they stopped caring and started stealing. Anger caused them to lose their concern for the community and started focusing instead of and started focusing more on themselves. So unresolved anger causes us to ask, what is best for me? Anger makes us more aware of what we need and less concerned about what is right or best for others. Let me repeat that. Anger makes us more aware of what we need and less concerned about what is right or best for others. Don't allow Satan to have an opportunity to make Christ look bad. Isn't that, isn't that a crazy thought? Don't allow Satan to have an opportunity to make Christ look bad. We've all been there. We've lost control. And then you say to yourself, you are an idiot. You just lost control. 
and now how are you going to fix it? Proverbs 14, 70 says, He that is soon angry or quick-tempered, he deals foolishly. And a man of wicked devices or a man of wicked intentions is hated. In Proverbs 29, 22, it says, An angry man stirs up strife and a furious man abounds in transgression. You, remind, you might remember this story of Cain and Abel. Cain became very, very angry at Abel because God valued Abel's offering above Cain's. When God noticed the anger that was building in Cain's heart, God warned him. And in Genesis 4, it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Why are you pouting? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. If you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Instead of listening to God, Cain allowed his anger to get the best of him, and it resulted in the death of his brother. Sad story. I imagine Cain's first thought was not to kill his brother. It was only after anger took control that he did would not do. Unresolved anger turned a bitter cane into a killer. Unresolved anger turned a bitter cane into a killer. You see, when anger gets a hold on your life, you are prone to doing things you will later regret. Number five, unresolved anger is lethal when molded into words. In verse 29 here, we can see what it says. It says, do not use foul or abusive language. That everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let no communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. I've often regretted my speech, seldom my silence. I've written that in my Bible because it's so important. I've often regretted my speech, seldom my silence. Be very, very careful. Just stop. Listen, think, and then react. Quick and careless words cause more damage to people than, they, than any other known force in the world. When we allow unresolved anger to build within us, it will eventually explode into harmful words. This is what's sad. You know, many people are killed all over the world by unexploded bombs. Listen, I recently read that hundreds of pounds of explosives are recovered every year in France alone. Many of those bombs were dropped in World War I and World War II and are now turning up all across Europe. They fell harmlessly from the sky, but over the years, their, con their contents have sat exposed to the elements. With time and corrosion, they have become more and more dangerous, and any slight movement could set them off. There are many people who are like those aging landmines. When anger lingers in the human heart, any small problem can set it off, resulting in lethal words that destroy relationships and damage lives. Isn't that sad? I don't think many of us realize just how anger, something somebody says to us, can trigger a response. You know, an action causes a reaction. We have to be very, very careful how that plays out. Number six, unresolved anger distances us from God. Unresolved anger distances us 
from God. In verse 30, it says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. In the King James, it says, And grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And God's Spirit lives in you. But when you allow anger to build up in your life, it repels the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit still lives in you, but your anger is keeping Him from working fully in your life. Imagine it this way. Let's say someone is teaching you to play the piano. You start off with a great deal of enthusiasm and energy and make some real progress in a short period of time. And after a few months, you get distracted. You stop practicing and you forget why you started playing the piano in the first place. Your teacher begins to notice that your playing is suffering and he asks you, are you sure you want to play the piano? You say, well, yeah, sure. But over the next few weeks, you continue to ignore what you have already learned. How long do you think your teacher is going to invest into you when you fail to practice what you have learned? Here's the answer. Not very long. Not very long. Well, the Holy Spirit works in much the same way. The Holy Spirit works in a similar way. When we fail to put into practice the things the Spirit is teaching us, the Spirit takes a step back in our lives. His voice becomes silent and His influence is less evident. Though the Spirit never leaves us, His power does. Unresolved anger blocks the impact of the Spirit in our lives. Anger limits how God can use us and keep us from becoming the person that God designed us to be. So here, let me, summer, let me kind of sum this all up for you. I understand, and yes, anger is a normal emotion. And God designed anger for a good purpose. Anger does serve as a warning light, a warning light that must be resolved. And when anger is not resolved, it can result in doing things we normally would not do, saying things we would normally not say, and broken fellowship with God. Isn't it amazing? Many of us are probably sitting here, and I know some of you are hearing just bits and pieces of what I'm saying. And some of you are taking it in and you're saying, yes, I need to understand this. Yes, I can identify with these six points. But it's difficult for me because I just, I, I know that maybe some of the things you've said, Pastor, have triggered some thoughts in my life because I know that in this room, you are not alone in your anger. You're not alone going through some of the hardships that each and every one of us have gone through. We have said things that we regret ever saying to somebody. This is a real, real topic. And I realize that we've looked at these issues. But I want to look at anger more closely. I want to share with you three ways you can learn to avoid the negative. The negative experiences and experience the benefits of good anger. And then we'll close. Here are the three points this morning. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Number two, stop and think. Stop and think. 
And number three, replace your anger. So let me just highlight number one, examine yourself. The only way you will know if anger is a problem in your life is to stop and do a little self-examination. Doctors recommend that we examine ourselves physically to detect any abnormalities before they become a problem. Likewise, God wants us to examine ourselves spiritually to detect any feeling of bitterness or unresolved anger before it becomes what? A habit. Psychologists have identified four basic ways that we learn to express anger. One is called manic. You can become a, a maniac or what they could say is a, an exploder. I don't know if many of you are exploders in this room, but I don't want to be near you if you're an exploder. This morning I felt like I was an exploder when I will tell you that I was normally an imploder, not an exploder. And I'll get into point number two. But, you know, I love this, this correlation because I'm not an exploder. But today with the... <laughs> I just did that to wake you up. Sorry, Faith. Let the Holy Spirit come out of her. Okay. There was a famous golfer was out in a <laughs> out on the green lanes instructing his son when some reporters came up to him. And the reporters began to ask the young boy some questions about his father's game. One reporter asked, what has your father taught you when you hit your ball into the rough? The boy was hesitant to answer the question, so his father said to him, go ahead, son, go ahead. Show them exactly what I do when I hit the ball into the trees. The boy looked at them again, uh, looked again at his father, then suddenly took his club and he threw it into the water. You see, this father was an exploder. This father was a maniac. When things didn't go his way, he would overreact and take his aggression out on whatever was in front of him. Some of us can relate because some of us can say, yes, I'm an exploder. Now, number two is mute. You're an imploder. This is the person who is determined never to get angry. Instead of expressing healthy anger, he or she bottles it up inside and pretends as if nothing ever bothers him. Someone once said, when I learned to swallow my anger, I later realized my stomach, my stomach kept count. Some of us are imploders. I never realized back, I was uh, trying to think. I think I was like 32 years old, 34, and I told Becky, I said, I'm very, very sick. Matter of fact, it was like, I mean, I can't even get out of bed. I mean, I'm just sicker than a dog. I couldn't figure out what was going on. And so she's like, Todd, I think we need to get you the, to the doctor, the hospital, whatever. So I called our doctor. We made an appointment, and I went in. And when we went into the doctor, you know, they checked me all out, uh, ran some blood work, did this, that, and the other thing. And you know what they do when you go in there? You get poked, prodded with squeezed everything else, humiliated, if you know what I'm saying. And then, um, and I'm like, I'm in here for feeling sick. Why are you doing all this to me? I never want to come back. And uh, so anyhow, after that, I was like, what's going on? The doctor called me and she said, Todd, we have some good news. I know you were concerned that you had cancer. You do not have cancer. I just went right to the worst. I can't walk. I can't, I mean, I'm sicker than a dog. I don't know what's going on. She says, no, but what you have is a bleeding ulcer. And right at that moment, I didn't know if I should be happy or if I should be sad, if I should be rejoicing or what I should be doing because I'm thinking, okay, now what do I do? And they said, we're going to give you some medicine. You've got to stop this immediately. It's making you very, very sick. Ulcers are not good in your stomach. 
Well, I realized at that moment when the doctor said to me, and he thought at the time when both him and Maria, the, the nurse practitioner, was in the room, they said, uh, Todd, do you drink Mountain Dew? Oh, yeah, I drink Mountain Dew. I love Mountain Dew. Just how many cans a day? About six or seven. Well, I didn't realize that was like poison putting in your body. I'm surprised I'm even standing here right now. Mountain Dew is bad for you. Jerry, I'm not looking at you. <laughs> He's back there. Mm-hmm, I told you. You always have to have those guys. Really, here's what he wanted to do. Amen. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was just, see, he's kind of an imploder, too. He's like I am. He's a mute. But I saw it. I was not looking. Yeah, yeah. I told you that stuff's just toxic. Anyhow, so what ended up happening was because of that, I had to stop my Mountain Dew. And then I just said, I'm going to go to something better. Man, do I love Sunkissed. That's just about as toxic. Let it go, people. Let it go. Just try to drink something without all that stuff in it. I know. Let it go. So I realized then that I was holding in a lot of my anger. I was holding in a lot of my emotions. I was holding in all of those feelings, and I wasn't expressing myself. I didn't realize that because of what people said, it was affecting me personally. I mean, I was in the ministry. Man, you couldn't do anything right. I, 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 I used to think to myself, why do... You know, God, I know you called me to do this, but my goodness, why are people so mean in the ministry? Why is my pastors, like, they're so mean? I'm like, I don't want to be that kind of person. So that's why I just tell you guys all the time, I love you, I love you, I love you, because I do love you, but my goodness. I mean, I didn't realize the pressures of ministry could be so stressful, and I would never express myself. Well... You know, you have to be careful who you express yourself to, you know, so you have to find a place where you can do that. And I won't go that, that direction, but I knew then that I needed help and I needed to be a little bit more expressive. And you guys just heard this morning that as soon as that was triggered, I expressed myself and then I started feeling convicted because here I am preaching on it today. Go figure that one out. So the Lord started speaking to me. See, you guys always think these messages are for, oh, look, the pastor's up there preaching like, Lord, I need this today. So anyhow. Uh, number three, there's also a martyr, an inflictor, like Eeyore. This is a person who is excellent at throwing pity parties. They secretly enjoy being disappointed and feel uncomfortable when things aren't going well. So their anger is repressed and later manifests itself as depression. And then the fourth one is manipulator. They're the exploiter. This is the passive-aggressive personality. Like uh, Lee Iacocca, when he was fired from Ford, said, I don't get mad. I just get even. There are people that are out there that are so much like that. So first, identify how you express your anger. Then second, ask, what kind of person do I want to be? Or what kind of person does God want me to be? How can I exhibit and exemplify the love of God? When you have a vision of the kind of person you want to become, you will be more motivated to make the necessary changes. You will have a better idea of what needs to change when you know where your character is headed. Secondly, once you identify how you, ex- how you express anger, here's what you need to do. Number two, you need to stop and think. And then I'll be winding this down here. When you find yourself in a situation that could cause you to lose your temper, ask these three questions. Why am I angry? Is it worth getting angry about? And third, why do I really want, what do I really want out of this encounter? Sometimes the reason is not obvious but lies deep below the surface. Anger is not always the root problem, but a symptom 
bigger problem. The middle issues cause you to overreact. You might be dealing with residual anger, the pain, the frustration, maybe past events could be causing you to become angry over little petty issues. Isn't that amazing? At this point, it is important to seek the guidance of a trained counselor, pastor, what have you, someone who can help you get to the core issues and encourage you to go to the Lord for healing. And I said again, is it worth getting angry? Not everything that bothers you is worth expressing. It is important that you learn to pick your battles carefully. I've often regretted my speech style to my son. Sometimes just write it down. I've told people when they've come into my office, I said, listen, if you're that angry at that individual, go ahead and just type it up. Write it up. Put it in an email. Write it on a piece of paper. Put it in your journal. Express it in your journal. And just hold on to it. Maybe within a few days you pray over it. You, you work through those things. And then in a few days you can go back and you can revisit those things. And then you could say, hey, you know what? I think I've got this now. I, I don't need to go to anybody. I can, I, I've just realized it just is not worth it. And then third, replace your anger. In verse 31, it says this as I close. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Get rid of it all. Let all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. It says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking, from the spiritual powers of this world. Rather, get them from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. You also complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every individual, every ruler, and over every authority. Put together love, kindness. Let it go. When you are sick or you have a virus, the first thing you do is try to get rid of it, right? You might drink lots of fluids, get plenty of rest, or even maybe take some medications that will combat the effects. What Paul is saying, when you harbor anger inside, do everything you can to get rid of it. Do everything you can to get rid of it. Like a virus that wants to gain supremacy over your life, but you need to do all you can to replace your anger with something much more powerful. What is the one thing that will help you get rid of your anger? And I'll help you. Ready? We're going to say this together. It's called forgiveness. Say this with me. Forgiveness. Learn to forgive. In verse 32, it says, and be a kind one to another. Be a kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Forgiveness releases the person who has hurt you and gives the pain to God. It transfers that pain to God. Forgiving is not forgetting. Forgiving is not forgetting, but it is letting go of the pain caused by another person or an event. So how can you learn to replace anger with forgiveness? Just write this down. 
Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, it talks about offenses, and I won't go into that today. But I've been trying to practice, you know, going through this series of emotions, going through the self-reflection of looking in the mirror and seeing ourselves as Christ sees us. I want you to walk away today encouraged. Three things, and I'm done. How can you learn to replace anger with forgiveness? One believes that anger is a rational choice. People can provoke you to become angry, but only you can stay angry. Anger, in the end, is a choice you have made. Number two, look to the Holy Spirit to empower you. Confess to God that you have not expressed your anger in healthy ways. List the different events where you allowed the situation to be out of control and ask God to forgive you. When you have agreed with God about where you need to change, the Holy Spirit will become a strong force in your life for change. And then last, remember, Jesus forgave you. It says in verse 13 of Colossians chapter 3, it says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. What a great standing ovation and conclusion to this message today. Our Father loved us so much that He said, you've got to forgive other people in order for me to forgive you. That wasn't my words. That's Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. That's a harsh, hard reality, church. So today, I hope you can walk away. If you're going to walk away, say, I was an, an inflictor. I was one of those guys that was an exploiter or an imploder or an exploder. But I hope you could say, no, I'm a lover. I want to be a lover of Jesus. I want to forgive other people. I want to walk in holiness. I want God to see me, you know, the way that he created me. And church, this pastor right here understands what pain's about. I understand maybe you didn't have the, the best upbringing, and I'm sorry. Maybe you didn't have the best relationships, and I'm sorry. Maybe some of the responses from your loved one wasn't what it should have been, and I'm sorry. But I hope that today you can look at what we just went through and what the scriptures have to say and say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to become better. I don't want to be bitter because all bitterness does is it separates my relationship with God the Father. And today, if you're dealing with being angry, it's okay to, to have those emotions. My wife says, you know, growing up in a family, growing up with a father that was abusive. She said, you know, it's very difficult to separate sometimes that what, what is good anger versus bad anger. And we've worked through that in our relationship, haven't we? And so understanding that she's allowed to express herself. And maybe the, that expression, as long as it's not degrading, and that expression isn't belittling. But I know that what she's had to say to me as her husband, and that's all I'm going to reference here today, but I know that it was healthy because I had to stop and take a, a hard, open ear and listen to what she had to say. That's what relationships are about. Even with people in the church, listen, people have gotten angry with me as a pastor and they stormed out of the church. They said what they've had to say and they stormed out of the church over something so minor. And I know you've experienced it, the same thing, even in your own life with friendships and with, and sometimes you scratch your head and go, I didn't realize I was supposed to 
invite them over this evening. And they felt excluded. Now they're mad and they're angry and they're letting this all fester. There's all different types of levels that affect us. But I hope that you could stop and say, you know what? It's not so much about them as it is me. I need to forgive. I need to work through this. I need to work through the process. And if God has spoke to you today, I want you to move upon that prompting. Maybe bring it, lay it at the altar, leave it at the altar. Say, God, help me to deal with this anger. Help me to deal with this person. Maybe you've had a loved one that has harshly offended you or done something bad. Lord, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to leave it at the altar. I can't. The, the more I focus on this, the more I suppress those, those feelings, the more angry I become. And I don't want to be that person. I want to be better than that. And that's what God wants from you because he wants the Holy Spirit to just, man, fill you up. Oh, glorious day, man. When that song comes on, you know why you celebrate? Because you, re you remember that old person that you were. And now you realize the new person you are as you walk in the Holy Spirit. And that's what our Christian life's about. We're just sinners saved by grace. And if you don't know Jesus, come to him today. Let's rise to our feet and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this message today. Thank you, Lord, for, for helping us to work through this and to understand, Lord, where we're at. Lord, we saw that you were even angry. You didn't have to send fruit. You didn't have to, to destroy people's lives because of your anger. That you stopped and you thought the process through. Lord, you still did your works and your miracles and manifestations. The Spirit was evident in your life. So God, make this a reminder even for me to show love and forgiveness. Help me to be gentle yet tender-hearted. Help me to be a man that loves people and not to harbor offenses and anger in my heart and in my life. It only hinders me, God. It doesn't hinder that individual. For some of those individuals don't even know that I might even have an issue. But God, I love you. I want you to be my number one priority. Help me, Father, to be a good husband, a good father, a good friend, a good leader, a good child. Lord, we love you. Help all of us to walk worthy of your character. Help us to take on the fruits of the Spirit. And may they manifest themselves in and through our lives. In your holy name we pray. Amen.